Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Baseball is happening. Hockey is happening. Other things are happening. But for once, all eyes are turned to the National Basketball Association on its playoffs. Some series are already settled. Others are going to be settled soon or already have been in recent days. We are recording this on purpose. Watching game six of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. In a way, it's somewhat doing ourselves punishment as Lakers fans to do a show while we have to watch whatever basketball they think they're playing during the game. But we're doing this for you guys. We don't want to wait until after the game. We want to give you our thoughts on what's currently happening, and we want to get them out to you in a timely fashion like we usually do, at least get to the end of the week, and tell you what's going on in the week of sports. So that's why we waited to do the show the night of the game. And our hope was that like game two, I believe when we last recorded with you guys, we would bring some luck to the Los Angeles Lakers as it currently stands. That luck has not come in any form of fashion. The Suns are dismantling the Los Angeles Lakers in 2021. And as of this recording, and as of this second, even though the game has yet to reach halftime, we are going to take the rest of our rant on the Lakers as if they are going to lose this game, lose this series and lose in the first round of the postseason for the first time in LeBron James's career. And There's been unfortunate circumstances out in this series. Anthony Davis being injured, having to miss one game, banged up for game six in the most important game of the series. LeBron James ankle being injured this season and probably not being 100%. Other injuries to key members of the team and the bench as well. They've run into seemingly every problem that you could, and we're hoping they could flip the switch and get back on track for this series and for specific games. And unfortunately, they're not playing some trash team in the Western Conference as a one or two seed to be able to kind of coast by and win the series. They're unfortunately the seventh seed playing a Suns team that doesn't fear them at all and has shown such throughout this series and seemingly won't have any problems sending the Lakers home. So I don't know if we need to make excuses. I don't know if we should just focus on the blame. It's an interesting time on how we should feel on what's been happening, but whatever we decide 
the road is that we should go down, it's not good. <laughs> we'll just say that. Whatever road we pick isn't a good one for the rest of the show. Johnny, uh, to all our fans and friends, uh, you're seeing us go down with the ship. It is a perfect storm. It's a total mess. It's a quick turn. Uh, it was a week ago where the Lakers seemingly took control of the series behind the second straight brilliant game from Anthony Davis. And they took a 2-1 lead after winning the first game in Los Angeles. Uh, they lost game three uh, when Davis went down in L.A. Early in the second half, they were up in the first quarter by double digits of that game, early second quarter. And then it flipped and flipped quickly as Phoenix went on a run to take a 54-50 halftime lead. Anthony Davis got hurt shortly thereafter, never came back. And the series went literally uh, bye-bye right then and there. It has not been the same since. Since that run to go to 54-50, it has been all sons. Uh, they took control of that game four, uh, kept the Lakers at bay. Lakers couldn't score when they needed to, simply not enough offense. Game five was a total embarrassment uh, where they got blitzed early, lost by 30. And game six has been an instant replay. Anthony Davis tried to go. He went. Early in the first quarter, left, has not returned. And it's been lights out uh, from three for Phoenix, where they made, uh, I believe, 10 of their first 11 threes. Booker couldn't miss uh, with his first six for six. Uh, just, you know, the same scenario for the Lakers as it's been uh, in these last three games where they cannot get any scoring. Remember, folks, uh, I have asked this question to NBA radio. I asked it to John off the show last night. If an NBA playoff team ever had a game where it's starting backcourt did not score. And in game five, the Lakers starting backcourt of Octavius, Octavius Caldwell Pope and Dennis Schroeder did not score. And even further, if that ever happened, as a team won a game where their starting backcourt did not score. So uh, it would be interesting to see uh, if we check the record books. I don't know if anybody has, but Dennis Schroeder has just disappeared in this series. And that's really been another huge turn. Schroeder had two really good games in games two and game three, in which the Lakers rebounded, won the both. And he has had. Uh, two miserable games since, uh, and he's off to another miserable start now. And if this continues and the Lakers go out in six and it's another stinker for Dennis Schroeder, who is a, a free agent, I would hazard to guess that the Dennis Schroeder era will last one year in Los Angeles and he will be gone as an unrestricted free agent. And they will look to do something else at the point guard spot, whether it's uh, potentially if they can afford him under the cap and he's healthy enough, uh, possibly uh, my favorite little engine that could, uh, Kyle Lowry, who is an unrestricted free agent in Toronto, a possibility. 
if that cap scenario is possible. I'm sure you've seen the last of Andre Bulldog Drummond. You've probably seen the last of uh, whichever Morris twin the Lakers have. I'm never quite sure. We know it's not old Tom Morris. But regardless, I doubt you'll see uh, Morris back. And time time to have an extended offseason and get healthy which hopefully they'll be able to do, both LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who we know has always had a knack for getting hurt, been injury prone. And between the short season uh, that they've had in terms of, I should say, short offseason, after their championship in the bubble and coming back quickly. Remember, folks, that they were in first place in the West, before Anthony Davis went down. They're the number one record in the West. Uh, and they were number one in the league last year before the league and the world went down with a healthy Anthony Davis. And then they won the championship after the long rest with a healthy Anthony Davis. And I was the first one to say, as far as I'm concerned, I went on the record everywhere that people would listen, saying that, hey, the bubble is going to help the Lakers. Excuse me, the, the delay is going to help. And, and Booker just hit another three with a hand in his face. He simply can't miss. He's got seven threes with five minutes to go in, in the half. He simply can't miss. Hand in his face, open, off the dribble, off the catch. He is <clears throat> and Was that Marv Albert? You're eating the Lakers for lunch. There was a little Marv for you. Well, shout out uh, to we'll, Marv since he's we'll, we'll he's get done. we'll get to Marv we'll get to Marv in a second, but the point is, I I said last year when the world came to a stop and as it extended that the delay will help the Lakers more than anyone because it helps an old LeBron James rest and it prevents a regularly nicked up Anthony Davis to stay healthy and to heal. And it showed its face in the bubble. Once they got the kinks out, they were the dominant team against everybody they played. And Davis was superb, and James was great, and they won a championship. With the short offseason, you wondered how the short rest would affect James. You wondered how it would affect Davis. And they were one in in, in the West until they started going down. First Davis with the calf. And then James with the ankle. They finally got back towards the end of the season together. Davis struggled with his game, but looked good physically. Uh, James struggled early, then looked like he was doing better physically. And then Davis got the game together and looked great down the stretch and looked terrific in those games two and games three, but then got hurt again. And that has basically been it with the lack of really ability of anyone else to contribute in the backcourt. They've got nothing up front from Drummond, who's been a huge disappointment in this series. Uh, Gasol has done the best he can, but has not offered much. Kuzma has been very disappointing. He's played hard, but not very well. And LeBron has been incredibly human, whether it's you know age, whether it's the ankle, whether it's a combination of those two things, along with uh, not having Davis as a running partner, and Dennis Schroeder's given them absolutely nothing in three games. So as a result, they find themselves down by 21 points with three minutes to go uh, 
in the first half and on life support with the respirator just about being ready to be unplugged. So we'll see if there's any fight left in the champs. Uh, but right now it looks very, very doubtful. Uh, meantime, also in the Staples Center, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers are in the same state as they've lost shockingly all three games at home with the inability to stop uh, the great young Luka Doncic. It's hard to find words for Luka at this point. It's hard and, to and, find and, adjectives. You know, Luka has been brilliant, and he they have no answer for him. You know, I, I asked today, Brian Scalabrini, why can't these supposed two great defensive players in the claw and PG-13 do anything? Why, why can't they keep him out of the paint? They're, 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 is it his bulk? Is it his strength? Is it his guile? I mean, you can't jump over anybody. I certainly been, could, shouldn't be quicker than them. And then Brian Scalabrini basically told me he thought it was the, the way he plays the game with angles and growing up, how he old, always played against older, bigger, stronger guys, how he had to use his dribble to get angles on larger opponents and then get them on his hip. And then once he would do that, uh, he either had an opportunity to get his shot off or if help comes now at this level uh, to find somebody open. But, you know, it's astounding the fact that these supposed great defensive players at the Clippers and everybody said they've got two of the best uh, defenders in the league have no answer for Luka. They, they can't stop him. They can't keep him out of the paint. They can't keep him out of the painted area. I mean, that or the step back three, and he's eating them for lunch. Now, uh, they haven't won a game at home yet, so uh, we'll see what happens there because all five all five games in this series have been won by the road team. So the Clippers go back to Dallas with a real chance to even it up, uh, but we'll see what kind of heart they have. Uh, it, it could be lights out for Los Angeles uh, between tonight and, uh, and tomorrow. Uh, Denver has just knocked off Dame and company. After his brilliant 55 performance in a double overtime loss, he looked tired tonight. And Denver came back uh, from down 11 in the third quarter and won in a big-time run and finished off uh, Portland. So they await the winner of this Lakers series, and which right now looks like it will be Phoenix and Denver. And not a lot of juice for you know our friends in the network. But uh, that may be the way it's going to roll. All the juice in the East. With the Nets, the Sixers, who knows, with the loss now of uh, their very fragile big man who was playing great, but Embiid goes down with a knee. And uh, Bucks nets you never know. Could be the series that determines our next NBA champion. Wouldn't surprise me. A couple interesting themes. One for Lakers fans and then ones for just fans of the NBA for fans of the Lakers and for fans of any team in any sport. Sometimes it's important to take a step back and appreciate how valuable and how difficult 
winning a championship is in whatever sport your favorite team plays in. And I'm not going to be incredibly disappointed here. Once the injuries started coming, to me, it all revolved around Anthony Davis. Right. I knew what we were getting when we traded for him. He's always been fragile. He takes a lot of heat. When he's healthy, he's wonderful. He got the Lakers, along with LeBron, a championship. No question. Once he went down this season, the question to me was, was he going to be able to come back healthy 100% and make it through the playoffs? He came back, and I said to you, and as you know, whoever else would listen, the bright spot was even when he came back and he wasn't playing well, he was moving well. And he was moving well defensively, which I couldn't stress enough the importance of what Anthony Davis means to the Lakers, not just on offense, but what he means to them on defense, because that's what separates them from everybody else is their defense led by him because he has the ability to guard anyone on the court 30 feet and in, and there is really nobody else in this league who could do that. They're a great defense. Probably Ben Simmons would be the only other guy. And Davis was doing it, which showed me he was healthy. But the health did not last. That was the problem. The health did not last. Once the knee gave out with the hyperextension on what I thought was a much more serious injury when he made a great block and I saw that knee buckle. Uh, He's fought through that and came back in the second half to lead them to a win. But then whether it was because he was favoring the knee or not, he goes down in game three with the groin and that's it. And that's it. Period. End of story. That's it. And that's how important and valuable and something that Lakers fans will have to remember, and I don't want to say lean on, but appreciate the bubble championship is. And I understand that fans couldn't be there at all for any of the postseason or season in general. I understand that some NBA fans view the season and the postseason with an asterisk because of the situation that the league was have to put in. But everybody, as we've mentioned on this show many a time, was all playing on an even playing field. It wasn't like one team had an advantage over the other. And in a way, there was no advantage. It was play basketball. Because of the circumstances of things they did or didn't have to do. Did it give the Lakers an advantage because there wasn't the wear and tear of travel? Absolutely. Uh, sure. Absolutely. But it also put the Lakers to a disadvantage because they didn't have home court. Right. Which they would have had throughout the postseason. And as another parallel, they don't have it now, really, at the Staples Center. 6,000 people are coming to the game. That's nowhere near what they're used to having in there. You could still hear a pin drop in the place. Did, did, did it give the, the, the heat an advantage because – they didn't have, their young players didn't have to go on the road. Absolutely. Um, but they still, you know, played great, upset the Bucks, and, you know, fought for a championship. Uh, they didn't come close to that this year, being swept out by those Bucks, uh, hammered after a very, very close first game that went down to the wire. 
so it was a different kind of championship. Uh, I said before they went into the bubble uh, and questioned, was this the most uh, fairest, most equal playing field you will ever see any professional sport playoff system played on circumstances you played under. Uh, that was my question because there was literally uh, the same environment for everybody. Nothing changed, no travel, no home courts, same shooting background for everybody. Every game, same lack of crowd for everybody stayed at the same hotel, ate the same food, slept in basically the same hotel beds, etc. cetera. Uh, so there was really nothing uh, out of the, I don't say ordinary, but there, there, there was no special treatment. There was no disadvantages to travel. There was no advantages of being home or sleeping in your own bed. All that was out the window. It was even as a playing field as you could possibly imagine, the Lakers dominated. Uh, they dominated because they had, you know, at that time, two of the best five players in the world and a supporting cast that all chipped in and helped. And this year, those two great players succumbed to injuries and the supporting cast was not nearly as good this year in the postseason as they were last year. Because last year, that supporting cast came up big when necessary. Whomever it had to be. If it was Danny Green, once in a while. Caldwell Pope, when necessary. Uh, Caruso off the bench. Morris hitting threes at, at, at you know, clutch times. And you know Superman doing a great job uh, subbing in as a starting center. And being very physical defensively and athletic at the same time, which they sorely missed this year. Dwight Howard was sorely missed. And, of course, playoff Rondo. Now, I don't know how much of this playoff Rondo because he didn't give a lot of scoring, but uh, he was certainly a settling factor. And he allowed, as we talked about so many times, LeBron to rest on the offensive side of the ball and not run the offense you thought you had that with Dennis Schroeder, which you did for a good chunk of the regular season this year, but he's been, like I said, in, in three of these playoff games, he's been a a complete and total non-factor. And that's hurt the Lakers desperately because not only uh, has he been ineffective on the offensive end, he's been destroyed on the other side of the court. Um, early on, he did a good job on Booker and then, last couple games uh he's been really taken to the cleaners so the roster they'll have to take a long hard look at but you have to be appreciative of winning championships because absolutely they are difficult and as hard they are as hard they are as they are to win they're even harder to defend and this is a perfect example of it because you know the lakers are always the hunted no matter how good or bad they are Everybody loves to beat the Lakers, but even more so, obviously, when you're the champs. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. 
He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Now the narrative becomes when people take a step back and say, well, what has LeBron James done for the Lakers? Now this will most likely be non-Lakers fans speaking, but it could be Lakers fans as well, where they say, he came in and did what LeBron James does on a new team where he gets rid of all the pieces he possibly can to bring in the pieces that he wants on his team. In this case, it was a lot of the young guys that the Lakers had cultivated from garbage seasons and good draft picks because of it to get Anthony Davis. But before that, it resulted in not even making the postseason in his first year, but then winning a championship the second. And even if he goes out in the first round of this, it's still hard to look at the big picture and say it was a failure because of the unfortunate circumstances that the Lakers had to face. And I know every team deals with injuries and I know every team deals with adversity throughout a season. It's hard to be able to make excuses for the Lakers with a straight face and not have other fans of other NBA teams say, Hey man, we've had to deal with the exact same issues throughout the season and we overcame them. So if you're a Lakers fan, appreciate what happened in the bubble and the championship that much more, because regardless of who was let go from the team and who was brought in and what happened the year afterward, they won the championship last year. And the weight that that's going to hold if the Lakers are eliminated in the first round of 2021 by the Phoenix Suns has to be a strong one. It unfortunately has to be because LeBron and Anthony Davis both got injured. I don't know how LeBron is in his recovery stage. He said he'll never be 100% again. Sometimes he likes to exaggerate things that happen to him injury-wise or playing-wise. But without Anthony Davis... That's it. This was the team that they built with those two guys. They knew they could win a championship and it didn't matter who was around them as a third, because if one other person out That's of the exactly. other three did well, they would win. And it worked as, last year. As we, as we stressed, perfectly. the Lakers didn't need one particular third guy. They needed any third guy. And that's all they need on any team when you've got two super duper stars, but those two super duper stars have to be there. So, well, the interesting uh, thing too, Al is this year and in the past couple years, a lot of teams have gone to the, let's try to just get two quote super duper stars and not go the big three model, which was, I don't want to say the trend, but it was something that a lot of teams tried to do after the Celtics were successful with it in 2008. But of late, teams are going with, if we have two megastars or a mega comma superstar, we can probably figure it out because we only need one other person to show up every night to get it done. And you could go down through every team that's in the postseason and figure out who their one and two is. The Jazz aren't as easy. It's Donovan Mitchell and, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert. We'll see. John Morant on the Grizzlies, and, you know, we'll see. 
But the Clippers are doing it with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. For however long they're doing it. The Mavericks thought they were doing it with Luka and Porzingis. That's clearly not the two, but you still have Luka. Denver was doing it with Jokic and Jamal Murray. The Suns are doing it with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. LA's doing it with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The Blazers are doing it with Dame and CJ McCollum. The Sixers are doing it with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The Hawks have one of the best players in the league in Trey Young and then pick one. Milwaukee has Middleton and Giannis. Brooklyn is the one team that managed. Don't don't forget Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday is the reason I'm still picking the Bucks to go to the finals. That series is going to be so much more exciting now because... They have their three, and Brooklyn has their three. The two teams that managed to get the big three, in a sense, are playing each other. Unfortunately, it's the second round. And getting them through healthy, and they're which is all about timing. Healthy. Because, you know, I mean, Harden was down with the groin. Uh, Durant's been in and out all year. Kyrie plays when he feels like it. And now they're all together. And as a result, they're rolling. Uh, they dismantled the Celtics. And they take on the Bucs who are rolling after their sweep. And uh, to me, the winner of that series, if they come out of it healthy, is the winner of the NBA championship. I don't think anyone in the West can win the title. Uh, I thought the only team in the West that could win the title was the Lakers. Uh, I still believe that. And the Lakers, in all probability, are going to be done tonight. I don't think anybody left in the West can beat uh, Milwaukee or the Nets or a healthy 76ers. And I don't know if we're going to see healthy 76ers now that Joel Embiid is down with the meniscus. Right. And now the tables have turned, though, from the East being that powerhouse conference of who's going to beat X team when it's been the West for so many years of who's going to beat any well, the team depth in the West. Of the West is superior. There's no doubt about that, but it, the, the, the three of the top in my mind, the three best teams remaining are all on the East. Absolutely. Now, after those three teams, the rest, the best, the best is in the West. All the best of the rest is in the West. Right. Uh, but, you have an interesting power swing, power surge to the top. Some of it has to do with health, which we discussed here at length. But you know, the coming together of the big three in Brooklyn uh, looks like it's going to put them in a position to play for a championship, and they're playing for a championship in the series, in my mind. The addition of Drew Holiday, who is a perfect fit for the Bucs in terms of what he brings as a playmaker, defender, and scorer when need be, along with a couple additions they've made in Portis and the always tough P.J. Uh, Tucker off the bench. He's really – now they lost uh, DiVincenzo, uh, which does hurt them. But uh, I still think they're good enough and deep enough to win a championship if they beat the Nets. They've handled the Nets well in the regular season. We'll see what happens in the postseason. The Nets are not all eight cylinders right now. We'll see if their formula can get it done. 
basically no big man and the big three and find the open guy when it's not one of the big threes, uh, whether it's Harris, uh, whatever the case may be, to knock down wide open threes and the other three super duper stars between scoring and assists wind up responsible for your 98% of the points. Um, Three players scoring 100 plus points in a basketball game. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. That that Bucks that series becomes the must watch, must see NBA TV above and beyond anything else we're going to see in this postseason. uh, In all probability, unless the Lakers have a miraculous rally here and take it back to Phoenix for a game seven, which will obviously be must see TV. But without AD. Chances look slim and none, and the slim is on its way out of the Staples Center, down uh, 20 plus at the half, and it uh, it bodes for an interesting offseason as well uh, for both LA teams if the Clippers should lose, because remember Paul George is signed, they gave up draft picks through the 2059 season to get him, and. If he so desires, uh, the claw, Kawhi Leonard, can opt out and become an unrestricted unrestricted free agent with plenty of interesting venues open to him, i.e. New York. Wouldn't he be a great fit for the Knicks who could use another score, defender, passer? Uh, And oh, by the way, the rough and tough Knicks the great turnaround led by Coach Tom Thibodeau, who had a miraculous season and the most Your player of the year. Alpha fell in five before their incredibly knowledgeable, wonderful fans in the Shrekka, uh taken apart in the fourth quarter by Trey Young and company. Bye-bye, Knicks. Bye-bye, Spitters. Bye-bye, Chanters. Uh, your season is done. I don't want to be the they deserve to lose narrative guy. No, they deserve to lose. And I don't want to be that at all for any of the teams. The, the, that the, I the like. Nick fans deserve to have it shoved in their face. Spike Lee and company. They, they just couldn't stand prosperity. That was the problem. They could not stand prosperity. They had to start chirping like they were this juggernaut, this incredibly historically successful team. It's won two championships in the last, uh, that would be 51 years. That's the older part. Uh, and, and the last one, uh, 49 years. Yeah, that's By the, the way. Part. So th- this notion, again, that they're all-knowing, all-seeing, all-knowledgeable, all-deserving is a crack of shit, which we talked about last week. And the fact that a guy they tried to embarrass, they spit on him, made fun of him. And as he said, a lot of great shows where we are on Broadway, he took a bow right in their face on center stage. That's how the shows end. Couldn't happen to a bigger bunch of dopes than the Madison Square Garden unfaithful. It's hard to be the day they deserve to lose guy, especially when it's your team. But when you take a quick glance at the Lakers, 
in game five in, I don't want to say a must win game, but you should probably win it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You should probably win it. You're down five near the end of the first quarter. Devin Booker drains a three. You go down eight at the end of it. You're nowhere near out of it. I know you're on the road, but you're the Los Angeles Lakers still. You don't score again, a field goal at least, till 137 is left in the second quarter. 11 points in a quarter in the NBA playoffs in 2021 where the rules are begging you to score. It's a disaster. And then you look at where the series was through four games. The Suns scored 99-102 with an asterisk by it because Devin Booker got fouled, I think, on two or three at least three-pointers in Nine the last minute free and was just at the free-throw line to end the game which got them over 100 points. 95 points in the third game and 100 points in the fourth, and you split those games in the four of them. The series should have been over. The series should have been swept. For a team that averages 109 points in the regular season, if you can't score 100 points in the 2021 NBA, I have no sympathy for you. But the Lakers are going to have to make sure they bring in one or two reliable, consistent three-point shooters. Consistent, bolded, underlined, and italicized with an exclamation point after it. Unrestricted free agent, Tim Hardaway Jr. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. They now have statistics that will blow your mind for how specific they are. The stats for their what they call wide-open shots for threes and twos is historically bad in this series. Like, you or I could go out there and you got to give us one or two. If no one's standing around and you get seven or eight chances, I mean, give us one or two. We're better than that. We can hit one or two if nobody's standing near us and they're just watching. Devin Booker sometimes doesn't even bother putting his hand up to guard somebody shooting a three because he knows they're going to fucking miss. It's been that disastrous. I know Anthony Davis going down was basically the nail in the coffin, but you're still NBA basketball players that are shooting wide open shots and they're not falling. And it's historically bad. As you mentioned, two starters in one game did not score a basket. Didn't score. You or I could have went out there and started, and I'm guaranteeing you we could have found a way to get one shot in the basket. If we're no, not I'm not going to guarantee I could have done that. 
when you could have done that. But my point is, as I said before, I, I don't know if it's ever happened. From what I, I, I forget the account I saw on Twitter, but I think this is the first time ever that the starting backcourt didn't score a basket. It's and we're not talking about starting backcourt that played bad. two minutes each. So. Preposterously bad. And they still had the games within reach for the first four. Unbelievable. That's the disappointing part. Your NBA basketball players playing for the Lakers. And you can't make the wide open, a defender is four to six feet away from you shots. It's a disaster. And LeBron is at the stage of his career, and people, for some reason, are ripping him for this at age 36. Well, why? He, he can't go out and score 40 anymore. Yeah. No kidding. But he set the team up so he doesn't have to do that every night. He's done going out having to score 40 points. He's on a bum ankle. He's not going to kill himself. He's looking to pass to the people that he put around him that he had the confidence in to make the open shot, and zero people have made it. And again, this, this, is a, this is a roster that was constructed. The only real issue I had, uh, as did many in the offseason with the moves they made, was letting Howard go and bringing in uh, Casal, who was not worked out, but that is, is, you know, it, I don't think it's been the biggest problem. The biggest problem has been their inability to knock down shots from the outside. And Dwight Howard didn't make a lot of jump shots. No. Uh, and they thought Casal would make more and he hasn't, he's made some, but he hasn't been the factor from the high post uh, nor nearly as much of a defensive uh, factor as they thought he would be inside. But their their biggest problem has been the inability to score. And that's not because they don't have Dwight Howard. I don't know if that's not because they don't have Rajon Rondo. Uh, they're just guys who knocked down shots last year, haven't made them this year uh, in the postseason. Whether it was whether it was Pope, whether it was Kuzma, whether it was Caruso, Green's not there. Uh, but the point is, you know, everything looked okay after three games. Everything looked pretty strong after three games. And everything looked okay, you know, in in the midway through the second quarter of of game four. Well, it looked like they had an early stranglehold on going up 3 1, and then it all fell apart. Um, And they suddenly they couldn't score. Davis got hurt. They haven't scored since. It's not going to be that much of a surprise when the dust settles to say like, well, of course those guys next to LeBron couldn't carry the slack that Anthony Davis left behind. But in the moment, it's surprising that it wasn't happening in the moment. You thought, well, one guy's going to be hitting shots. One guy they'll be able to rely on because Dennis Schroeder scoring 20 plus points for two games it was more than enough for them to beat the Suns. One guy is going to figure it out. One guy will be there to lean on. And there is zero of those guys when Anthony Davis went down. You know, with Murray down, uh, they, they really deserve a great deal of credit. And uh, Jokic deserves a massive amount of credit because he's playing 
center, point guard, he's running the offense from wherever he is on the floor, which is really remarkable for a guy that size. And he, despite you know his bulk, and you would think his lack of quickness, he has an, an, an amazing first step. He makes all kinds of circus shots off of one foot, spinning, rolling to the rolling to the bucket. Uh, threes really is a remarkable player. The Suns-Lakers series will be the upset. The Portland Blazers series was the thrilling end, although it didn't go all the way. And the Clippers-Dallas series will still yet to be decided, whether it'll go the thrilling route, the upset route, whatever it's been. It's been exciting because no home team has won up to this point. So they've given us something. But the other series, as we've argued, could have been decided in five games and nobody would have had it. Now, in Major League Baseball, for the first time, and thankfully for the first time, on June 2nd, it was the inaugural Lou Gehrig Day to commemorate when his consecutive games streak started and to commemorate the day that he passed away to ALS, which most people know as Lou Gehrig's disease. It was a great way to bring awareness to the disease, which somehow kind of gets lost in the slew of some things as years go on. Baseball is incredibly aware, thankfully, of said disease and has done a great job over the last several years to bring awareness through several organizations and runs and events and all sorts of things that they've been able to do because of those who have been impacted by it. And as huge baseball fans and you as someone who's been impacted by it, we'd be remiss to not bring it up toward the end of the show here to also throw our hat into the ring and speak a little bit on what Lou Gehrig's day means to Major League Baseball and to us as baseball fans. Well, it's incredibly important because he was such a huge figure in the game and uh, the disease, which is crippling, uh, brought this Iron Man to his knees, literally. Uh, it brought the Iron Man uh, to the end of his career and an and early death. A guy who could be stopped by nothing uh, was stopped cold in his tracks by this debilitating disease. It knows no race, no creed, no color, no national origin, uh, no sexual preference. Uh, it is completely and totally fair. It kills all. It destroys all. It rips all to shreds. Uh, those who fall victim to it literally live inside a dying body. Uh, those of us who've been exposed to it, lost family or a loved one to it, uh, watch and our hearts break, uh, as mine did for my best friend. Uh, who we lost some years ago. It is a disease which we all need to be aware of. And anyone who's listening to us, as I said yesterday at MLB Network, if you can only afford to donate a dime, please give a damn and please do so and please join the fight. Because it's a disease that we all have to be aware of and we all have to contribute to try and find a cure to because it uh, 
it's just gruesome what it does uh, to the person who falls victim to it and the effect it has on the families that have to deal with it uh, for their loved ones. And we're nowhere near a cure. Uh, It continues to do its damage and it strikes literally out of nowhere. Uh, Treatments, nothing works. There are things that can be done, medications, drugs to help prolong uh, the downfall and eventually a ventilator as the body continues to erode and everything breaks down. Uh, But sooner or later, it's simply a question of time. It is a death sentence, a lingering death sentence. And I watched my best friend fall victim to it and put up an incredibly courageous fight. Uh, as courageous a fight as I've ever seen anyone put up in my life. He was a hero to those of us who watched him suffer and erode before it eventually took his life. And those who fall victim to it uh, fight that fight. And what we must do is to do everything we can to join that fight, to contribute whatever we can to research, to help find a cure for this terrible disease. The Yankees, Lou Gehrig's team, obviously, not only winning on the night of, but scoring four runs, his number in a 4-3 win was a great way to kick off the inaugural Lou Gehrig's day. The Ice Bucket Challenge, everybody thankfully remembers from a couple years ago with how viral that cause went and how important it was for ALS research. But as Al mentioned, there's still so far to go with this disease and how much research still needs to be done for it. And hopefully it can someday move as swiftly as we were able to get a vaccine for this virus that have ravaged the country for 14 months. And one day we can celebrate Lou Gehrig's day completely instead of in the back of our minds, having to remember still how disastrous the disease is not only just in baseball, but throughout the world, but one that as a microscope in the baseball community because of Lou Gehrig himself and what he meant to the game And unfortunately, some of the players and those surrounded by the game have been impacted by it. So fingers are always crossed that we're able to find an answer. But it's nice that Major League Baseball has drawn awareness to it for its specific day and one that will continue for many years to come until hopefully, as we said, it's a celebrated day completely and we move on past the disease. So there's our baseball news. We hit on our basketball news. And unfortunately, to the fans of the National Football League, though nobody circles the wagons, we just don't have enough time. And I know you're disappointed, Al, we didn't get to talk about Coach K announcing his retirement. But the beauty of him announcing his retirement is not only does he get a farewell tour now, but that we'll be talking about it come next year. In March and April, you'll be talking about it. You'll be talking about it, and I'll be falling victim to listening to it. More (laughs) like, hey, his last game 
at the Carrier Dome, his last game against Jim Beheim, whether that's in the regular season or come the ACC tournament, the comparisons, who will be next? Will Jim Beheim retire next? Will it be Leonard Hamilton in Florida State? Who's going to lead the way for the next ACC coach to get out? We will have months and months and months of Coach K discussion, so we don't need to do it this show. But I do appreciate the fact that we are going to get the farewell tour. And not only that, it started today. On June 4th, the Coach K farewell tour officially began with his first of many goodbye press conferences. Because I don't know if people are naive to think that this is the end or don't think that he's going to use other opportunities to have similar types of press conferences. But every time it's his last insert the blank, we're going to get the exact same press conference and questions and answers until April comes in 2022. So we'll save everybody, I guess, the pain and torture that you would feel. I'm already, I'm I'm already felt it for the last two minutes. (laughs) Please. a, A great note to end the show. We'll save it for 2022. Al, it's always exactly. a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, from my part of the great John Tiny on that, Al Renato, a.k.a. from White Plains, have a great and safe sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.